1: Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Oscar week is officially upon us as the 95th Annual Academy Awards air live Sunday night on ABC. We're celebrating with a throwback to my 2016 interview with Emma Stone ahead of her Best Actress win for La La Land. Little did we know, her name would cause an Oscar envelope gaffe when Moonlight won Best Picture, but La La Land was accidentally read.
2: Are you going to talk world. in like a wacky radio voice? I know it's all news DC radio, <laughs> but, you but- knew
1: it was 20 odd 9
2: Wah, 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 we're back! We're back.
1: You can start like that if you Really?
2: <laughs> I'm too embarrassed. No, ahead, come
1: on. I'm on the spot. all right. All right. Emma Stone, star of La La Land. Hello. Thanks so much. Thank you. She just did a great uh, radio impression. Thank,
2: uh, thank you. Really? <laughs> uh, old pro, old pro. Old pro. pro.
1: <laughs> um, your movie knocked me out. It was awesome. I told Damien the awesome. same thing. It was it was fantastic. Okay. Um, you know, one of my favorite scenes is, you know, the coffee stand and you have the jacket on. That's actually yeah. why I'm wearing this right now because there's, there's coffee all down. Really? No, not really. But, yeah. <laughs> Did it in an interview, but uh, did, did you have a sort of similar thing, you know, before Easy A, before Bad, Back then, when you were, you know, a no name, mm-hmm. um, did you ever have any embarrassing coffee on the shirt? Kind of a story for an audition.
2: I, um, I, well, I, God, I don't know if it was as specific as as the coffee down the shirt situation. I, it's so funny because I've been trying to remember, you know, like my horrible audition stories because yeah. people are asking about sure. bad audition sure, sure, stories sure. for this movie, and I. And there's only a few that really stand out. What stands out for me more than anything is the periods of not getting auditions. Yeah, right. Like the periods of really being ignored and like going on a bunch of auditions and you know, getting rejected from all of those and then just like no one's calling you. No one wants Still you to come in. Next. Yeah. And that was so brutal. Yeah. That was probably the most brutal part is that feeling of like not even getting the chance.
1: Was there a moment where, you know, in the movie, that, that you, uh, there's a point where you sort of give up and you go back to the hometown. Was yeah. there ever a moment where it was close to that for you?
2: There were moments where I really felt like it's time to give up, but then never actually could bring myself to, like, get in the car and go home. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I still I mean, I mean, still know
1: the feeling. <laughs> what was your saving grace? Because in the movie, it's the Ryan Gosling car horn, you know? Yeah, exactly. going <laughs> long car horn. What, what would that be for you?
2: I really remember a moment when I was, like, because I moved when I was 15, and... My mom um, was out there with me for periods of it, and there was one time where I was just like crying on the floor of the apartment that we were renting, and I was like, I can't do it anymore, I can't do it. And she was b- excited, basically. She was like, ready to go home? Right. And I was like, no, I also can't do that. No, I can't go <laughs> home, no, I have to keep going. Um, but it was almost like anyone saying like, all right, well then you should just go home. Right. was sort of my car horn, I guess, because that was the thing I just could not do and really faced with it. Isn't
1: that the crazy, it's almost like the people you mentioned in your family was like, yes. It's yeah. Like the people that love you the most of are, course. are, they're just, they, just, they don't want to see you get hurt. They don't want to yeah. see
2: you get your heart broken. Yeah. I mean, in any situation, so, but um, but they they believed in me for sure. Like they never were like, don't do this. Obviously I moved at 15, so they were incredibly supportive, but it was, yeah.
1: Well then, so if there's other people that are sort of, you know, in that space now, other actresses or filmmakers, you know, whatever that, that you were then, how might these just the the signature song lyrics you know here's to the ones who dream yeah talk about how sort of you know that's gonna be your voice is gonna be playing in their head after they leave the movie that those oh, lyrics I'm sorry
2: <laughs> well the lyrics I yeah, understand yeah, yeah.
1: Um, but you know how how does that song and those that exact you know those lyrics sort of speak to their situation and how it might give them hope to all of us yeah. to
2: to anyone I think that is lives a creative life it's a kind of um, it's a sort of insane existence in so many ways. It's the, I can't imagine living any other way than getting to be a creative person, but it's also so crazy-making um, a lot of the time. And you're, I mean, you're hanging these hopes on sometimes things outside of you, or you're creating things and hoping people respond to them, or it's just putting yourself uh, I, don't out know, there, I don't know. I don't know that it has any any bearing on uh, how outwardly quote-unquote successful you are. Um, in whatever you're choosing to do because I think all success is inward anyway and that's yeah. what that I think song is about.
1: And, and music-wise, I mean that's sort of the theme of it, that song, but when you step up and do that audition, um, you know, a lot of people maybe that maybe they didn't get up to Broadway and see you and it was cabaret. Yeah. I, mean, yeah, I think it'll be a pleasant surprise for people to, to hear you open up and
2: sing. Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it'll be a surprise of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be
1: a it'll be a whatever puzzle. adjective they choose. It'll be a puzzle. Oh, man. But um but yeah, no. So um one of my favorite scenes too is when you guys are in the in the planetarium um, and you go up into the stars. Very yeah. magical, rubble without a cause, all that stuff. Um, in in Birdman, mm-hmm. your character could you do it for me? It Wasn't it was like a and you look up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna do it right now. <laughs> And you see
2: you see floating in the stars. Um, what would that Birdman
1: character think as she's watching them, Ryan and Emma, go into the stars in that moment in that movie?
2: I don't know. I think she'd probably be pretty cynical
1: about it. <laughs> that movie was very cynical, a lot more than this,
2: I guess. Well, she was, certainly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for yeah.
1: Sure. definitely. Talk about working with, because um, there's long single takes in both of them, you know, in both that. Talk about working with uh, directing styles of Alejandro Naritu and Damon Chazelle.
2: The differences in their direction. What's like the
1: strength that each brings?
2: Well I think both of them have like incredibly clear visions, they're obviously both auteurs so they're writing and directing their own stuff. Um, And I mean there were a lot of those kind of single take feelings in in Land as well, like you know long single takes that were choreographed and we rehearsed for a long time. And and both movies have to do with actors in some way. (laughs) So aside from all of those comparisons, um, they're totally different in terms of personality. Uh, equally passionate, but just very different guys. And, although I think they'd get along.
1: Very, very well. <laughs> <laughs> Working with Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Because um, I know you guys have, you know, some history that goes back in terms of uh, movie wise, crazy, stupid love, yeah. you know, like love that movie. Yeah. One of the better rom coms of this. Um, <laughs> movie. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, what's just, what's what's that chemistry like for you guys? Especially in that scene where that, you know, you have that argument at, in the yeah. green light, you know, which is a yeah. particular like thing. But it, I was amazed at how real that felt, how it sort of ratchets up and you're both like kind of talking past each other, and, you know, that's that's not really what I ended out of your life. But, you know, how do you? how do you uh what's it like working with him and how do you mind a real argument like that it felt real
2: there was a there's a very nice thing that damien and and the other directors we've worked with have been open to which is we really love to improvise so it's i mean i think it helps when you from the very beginning from our first audition for crazy stupid love they had us improvise so we sort of you very quickly get to know who you're working with how generous they are how much they're willing to you know play around with you or go to these kind of extreme places or not and um i think we both have a similar a similar love for that and and clicked in that way so we were able to to utilize some of that in this
1: do you in real life geek out about like your character like that's the that's the window that they were in in casablanca do you have a similar uh passion for the old Yeah,
2: yeah i do i do i don't know i'm not as um probably knowledgeable about the location throughout L.A. or anything, but there's, yeah, there's some, I definitely get, get, uh, you know, overly emotional about certain nostalgic things.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Well, I think this movie's going to make a lot of us nostalgic, but it also feels entirely fresh, so. Good. Well done. Uh, Great. See you at the Oscars. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i Stone on WTOP. Thanks. Thank you so much. I also spoke with La La Land director Damien Chazelle, who was featured on a previous podcast, but we're bringing it back from the archives for another listen with an Oscar winner for Best Director. I just saw this earlier, uh, I guess it was earlier this week, Completely knocked me out, man. Oh, I, thank you. It's just you know, charming and everything in the beginning, but then by the end, you're ripping my heart out. Like, why do you have to do that? And when we're going down to Seb's again, turning off the highway, I mean, I'm just, oh, I'm crying. <laughs> crying in my seat. But um, uh, let's start, Um, you know, uh, are you when you're watching this, you know, obviously we all love Whiplash, but when we're watching this, you can sort of tell this is your two passions, right? It's jazz and yeah. old movies, man. Um, is that sort of, you know, the, the two characters are, are teaching each other, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, to love each of them, but for you as a director and a writer, are you sort of like, I want to teach the audience this new generation of young kids coming up to love jazz and old movies?
0: Yeah, a little bit. It's, it's, it's you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, it's not like I would wanna call myself a, a wannabe teacher or something like, you know, nothing as presumptuous as that. It's just that, um, uh, I guess it's just that idea of like, you're passionate about something, the way the characters are, and so you wanna share that passion. And so um, certainly, you know, these were passions I wanted to share, but I also just wanna make a case for the like these forms still being relevant. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think especially with musicals, there's like this 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 perception of musicals as, as just, you know, fake and having nothing to do with reality and just kind of, uh, uh, and yeah, maybe outdated, you know, and I wanted to make a case for the genre as something that could still be modern and alive and still say something about what it means to be young and, and, you know, chasing your dreams today.
1: Well, you brought it back. I'm telling you, man. Thanks. you. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you're going to shoot through that best musical, uh, Golden Globe Gate. <laughs> <yay, laughs> um, let's take back to the beginning of the movie. Um, on the highway, um, you know the great, awesome. You know it's a single take shot on the highway. Um, is that is that sort of? A, are you are you sitting in traffic one day and, and you're you know? It's like, I, I imagine if these people got out and did it's this.
0: Pretty, pretty, or, pretty much. or is
1: it or is it like a little bit of like Fellini eight and a half there? You know when he gets floats out of the car and the <laughs>
0: It's you know it's, it's funny. So uh, obviously the Fellini scene uh, eight and a half is incredible. Uh, but I also remember. So I I, I live in L. A. Now, but I grew up on the East Coast and I had this perception in my mind of L. A. As as this uh, kind of horrible, unlivable place. <laughs> and a lot, of that, a lot of that was informed by movies that I was like growing up watching, one of which was the Michael Douglas movie, Falling Down, Down, which begins yes. with a kind of eight and a half style traffic jam um, that he finally walks out of. And man, like that was LA to me. It was just like, it just uh, it looked kind of hellish. <laughs> and uh, and and then so I moved to LA, not even really thinking that I was gonna stay very long. It's just cause I wanted to make movies. And you know, okay, so you try LA. And, uh, and I fell in love with it and, um, and realized there was this whole other magical kind of romantic side to the city, um, but there still is a lot of traffic. So I wanted to try to kind of start the movie with, with Stuff that we associate with you know LA at its worst yeah. and try to build from that to to yeah to more a love letter to the city. Is
1: that actually a single take or are there little illusion masks? There's there's t- two, two two illusion masks okay. that
0: uh that I have to fess up <laughs> to. Um, <laughs> we won't but, ask that, yeah. but <laughs> thank you, it's very nice of you. That's
1: awesome, but yeah,
0: um, I mean, it, it was like one of those things where where you know we had two days to shoot it and so we had to kind of like just basically bane through this number on the freeway uh, and it was an actual freeway overpass and uh... uh, but it was the whole time it was kind of like you know shooting it and and being stressed out that we weren't going to be able to get it but being also exhilarated and wondering you know why can't more traffic jams uh, be like this,
1: you know? <laughs> hey, why not? People at WTOP will agree in D.C., right?
0: <laughs> right, everybody here?
1: Um, awesome. I'm Bradley Trainer,
2: And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the
1: Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out.
2: Pretty sure that's J Lo and PS. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner. LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends.
1: Blinded by the item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the
0: Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Um, the fight scene where the, the that builds
1: and yeah. they're sitting in the in the green light. Vertigo?
0: It's funny, yeah, I mean, I, I uh, th- so that was, uh, uh, that was like, I remember we were into shooting, we'd already kind of had, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's Ryan Gosling's character's apartment, and, you know, we'd picked the apartment, and, uh, you know, and, and, and we were getting close to shooting it, and it had these kind of window drapes, and, and it just kind of occurred to me, like, literally a few days before shooting, and I talked to my DP, Lena Sangren about, you know, Uh, what this sort of green light kind of coming through would be and yeah it was like it was like the the the, certainly the light in vertigo and also felt a little Wizard of Oz to me and even Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula you know, has this incredible green mist and it, it, that kind of green is a color that you saw a lot in old Technicolor movies and you don't really see anymore um, so I thought it might be I don't know I just, I just kind of loved it so uh, I think everyone kind of looked at me like what the hell are you doing it's like are, are we doing the Matrix or something but, <laughs> but I just kind of <laughs> tell them to go watch more old movies <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, awesome. Well also the scene like uh at the end I think like when you go into some of the musical numbers, you do like a lot of like of those Gene Kelly musicals and Minnelli and Stanley Dunn, with like the little logos appearing of yeah. like, you know the, the different marquees and things. Yeah. I love that superimposed stuff. Oh, um, but then towards the end, um, you know, like a lot of those movies like Sing in the Rain or American in Paris, they would have like those big, almost like a surreal, artful, um big number before the yeah. end. Yeah. So did you consciously say, I wanna do that? But, uh, you know, but also do it where, you know, it, it's it's seeing what their relationship would have been, you know, because you see that flash of what could have been, and then it, they turn back off the highway. Do you
0: remember where you were when you came up with that? Not in, I don't entirely remember, because I'm not sure what came first, whether it was this, just this idea of the emotion I wanted at the end of the movie or this idea of doing a big, yeah, like th- those, like, dream ballets yes. from those old movies that certainly on on that level I was like why don't we do that anymore like movies that were kind of hollywood studio mainstream movies for broad public in like the 50s and 60s used to sometimes every once in a while just kind of stop the main story and like go into just pure pure music really and uh and there was something so bracing and and like and just kind of audacious about that idea so so Anyway, I'm not sure exactly you know, how it first formulated in my mind, but it was very early on. Like, the earliest drafts of the script ended exactly that way. Um, and, and yeah, it was an attempt to sort of do a version of that, but, uh, but about this very specific emotion that we were trying to achieve at the end of the movie.
1: Um, Ryan and Emma, casting them, what was that process like? Were they in your mind when you were writing it the whole time?
0: It was, uh, so when I was, uh, basically the process was like I just got insanely lucky. <laughs> it was like, it was just, you know, those things just so aligning. <laughs> um, well, it's nice of you to say, I, because I, uh, uh, back, I first started writing this in like 2010. Um, into 2011, and yeah, they 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 were they were uh, floating in my heads when I was first writing. But it was that kind of thing where
1: floating in the stars, floating in your head.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but but it was the kind of thing where I was like, ah, that's probably never going to happen. You know, uh, forget it. You know, and uh, and then it took like five, six years to get the movie made. And during that process, I, I made Whiplash, and 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 towards the end of that process, the script wound up on their laps. And uh, independently, you know, and even at slightly slightly different junctures and so it just lined up kind of you know, in a very sort of circuitous way that they that they w- were able to do it, wanted to do it, uh, wanted to do it together um, uh, and that, but that was just kind of an amazing thing for me because I, I mean obviously I loved that they have this built-in chemistry but just individually as well I just think they're two of the greatest actors uh, uh, around right now.
1: Totally. You mentioned Whiplash Watching Whiplash, I remember there was a lot of those uh, sort of like, almost like staccato images, like boom, 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 yeah. like a cymbal or, or a drumstick. And I noticed that some in this, too, mm-hmm. um, I, th- I think it maybe puts like a record player down or something. Yeah. You have some of those like three beat salvo kind of a things. Is that, why, why do you like that? I mean, the, you're building your little, you know, auteur <laughs> legacy here, early <laughs> stages of it. But, you know, why is that like, you know, powerful for you?
0: I uh, it's hard to say I just I just like the feeling of it I mean I I have uh, you know i working with the same editor Tom Cross who cut Whiplash and and he and I just have a we have a shorthand and we also have a shared love for just a lot of the same a lot of the same movies and a lot of the same moments in movies and Early and a jazz and jazz uh, too you know and yeah I think so I think it certainly started in Whiplash and it was it was that idea of like how does the world feel like to a jazz musician you know and I was a jazz drummer myself and so there was something about that kind of uh, where it's all about rhythm, right. you know, uh, you and, rushing or and you, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, trying to lock right into the tempo, you know, yeah. and, uh, 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 but it's like, but that it was all about, like, the timing and the, 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 uh, 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 just the sort of uh, kineticism of that. You know, I love that you can create, literally create a sense of music just through editing, even if there's no music on screen. Yeah. That that was an idea I love and it was an idea that was really important to this movie. That even when there was no music on screen, it needed to still feel musical at every right. moment. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah.
1: Speaking of Whiplash, yeah, I know we get some nice little callbacks with J.K. Simmons there. I thought he was going to do the Russian or Dragon to <laughs> Ryan Gosling <laughs> a couple times when he's firing him, but why was it important sh- to get 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 him in there? Because I know he's meant a lot to your career.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, on a personal level, I just, I just love the guy. Uh, so I, I, you know, I would kill to work with him at any moment. Um, but, uh, uh, but he was just, he, he was like kind enough to. I, I didn't even really think necessarily that he'd be interested uh, because you know it's, it's a relatively small role. But you know, I, 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 just called him up and asked him, hey, is this something at all you would want to kind of you know come down for a couple days and do? Um, and he, yeah, he just jumped at the idea, and he was, you know, it was just a. a but it was kind of fun. Ryan, Ryan joked to me that, you know, it was, Ryan, it was Ryan's first day on set was the this, was this scene where he plays piano and then gets okay. uh, fired by JK. And so he joked, like, oh, I see what you're up to. You know, you bring your actor from Whiplash and you have him fire me on yeah. day one. I get it. <laughs> Show who's boss.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so. I saw I've seen how this movie goes. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, well, I know we're nearing the end, but my fav- one of my favorite ba- gags throughout the whole thing, it's something really small. And I want to know if it was in the script or if you came up with, with Ryan. The, the car horn, how he blares it when when he rolls up outside her and he, and she knows that it's him. Um, was that was that in the script? Or was that the, like an actor? There,
0: there was a, no, that was in the script. Uh, 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 it was slightly different in the script. It was trying to figure out just kind of what the, uh, uh, like, like uh, it was always a car horn. It was what exactly he did with the car horn, whether he did a sort of pattern with it or, and I think, uh, and so I think it became just this sort of like, Grading, sort of a uh, uh, very stubborn, as stubborn as the character is, sound uh, uh, through me and Ryan talking, and um, but uh, but to me it was also kind of a funny, uh, like musical device in its own way. Like I like that idea of you know that 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 the movie needed to be pregnant with music at every moment, and so even city sounds that would normally be annoying almost serve as. Uh, as as little bits of of music or melody in the movie, so that, that was kind of uh, uh, that, and just the fact that I find it kind of hilarious that, <laughs> that this guy is so. What I,
1: I mean, honestly, what I love about it, and I know you're like a big old movie guy, so I, you know, made, stop me if I'm reading too deep, but I think you've re- you've you know taken new ownership of the car horn for L. A. for a while. It was Faye Dunaway, Chinatown, the head on the wheel, you know, at, at the end. Yes, the. the it's tragedy, right? The Chinatown, L. A. <laughs> is a dirty, corrupt place. Now with your car horn. LA is a bright, vibrant place. Old movies are, are back again, you know, it's it's oh, a place to it. be celebrated. So yeah, take that one with bad, you. But bad, bad. That's what I, I I'm gonna
0: take full credit for that.
1: <laughs> for that idea, too. Did it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah. Awesome. Well anyway, but that's that's the mo- <laughs> that's the um, you know, emotion that we get out of watching your movie. You've you've taken new ownership of LA again and made it a magical place. So thank you
0: so Thanks, that was the hope, so thank you. I I'm I'm thrilled. It.